The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Yes, sir. We're back for part two of Colts Preview Edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos as usual, and we are excited to bring you a fully packed edition of the show. Special guests for the Colts.com staff writer, Andrew Walker will join us fresh off of uh, his press availability in uh, Indianapolis. We'll talk to him about the game, the matchups, and everything else uh, in our featured interview of the day. He is excellent, and you will enjoy that. We've got wide receiver three questions to answer. What is going on with the very... uh, fan-favorited Hollywood Higgins, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, as Kaderil Hodge is on the injured reserve. I want to talk about Juice. We're going to get into Jarvis Landry's leadership as uh, the latest Building the Browns came out and a couple thoughts off of that. And a lot of people picking the Colts in this one Um, because of their defense. And I want to tell you why I think the Browns come out victorious on Sunday in a most crucial matchup. It's all eyes on Cleveland. We are fully packed in locked in full effect for you. Mikey, on the ones and twos, you start getting excited. There it is. We are back at it like we always do about this time. All Eyes on Cleveland is a podcast that can be found where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, TuneIn, AppRadio.com, and Google Play. Please go to the webpage, alleyesoncleveland.com. It's very nice. You can leave a voicemail there for us. With hot takes or questions or anything. Game react. If you got a reaction after the game on Sunday, please leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. We'd love to do it. We had it happen a couple times, and it was fantastic. So uh, fire that baby up. You just hit the little mic icon in the bottom right corner, and you're you're free to uh, uh, have at it there for 45 seconds of your thoughts and opinions on the game, and we'll play it right on the air here. Got a great interview here tonight, momentarily, uh, and a couple topics that I want to hit uh, afterwards. Um, Mikey, you can, yeah, let's let's go ahead and kill that, Mikey. Thank you, sir. 
So this is part two of Colts Weekend, and, and normally, you know, we do a uh, a react and then but uh, addition of the show early in the week, and then um, and maybe an interview to get you ready for the game. But this this game is so uh, big, and the matchup between the Browns' offense and the Colts' defense is so. Uh, well documented and talked about uh, nationally. Um, whoever comes out victorious in this game uh, can really, really hang their hat on what uh, a kind of win this will be. Validate what they are in the NFL and and really um, take the next step. This is a monstrous, monstrous tilt on Sunday. Um, and for both teams. And and I, I mentioned it, I tweeted it out, but PFF's power rankings have the Browns at 14. And at 13, they have the Colts. And at 12, they have the Steelers. So ironically there, they will, the Browns will play the two teams ahead of them in the next two weeks. Now, um, they were all the way up to 10 at CBS's power rankings, breaking the top 10 there for the first time in who knows how long, but uh, the Browns at 10 in CBS's power rankings. I want to tell you real quickly about Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive Fantasy app is an app where you can play daily fantasy sports with prop bets. They give you 15 prop bets. You pick the 10 you like. You can uh, gain points by getting those correct. Uh, The higher amount of points for the uh, more uh, higher odds the bet is, um, and uh, you can come out victorious. And the nice thing is you don't have to go up against the pros. The pros that play at DraftKings and FanDuel, and you make a lineup of players, and, and, and they you know, enter 150, 300 different iterations of teams, it's impossible to win um, there. And this gives you a fair playing field where you can uh, place your bet on the prop bets and win cold, hard cash. Use the promo code E-Y-E-Z-I-S, as in all eyes on Cleveland, when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So I want to get to this interview here, and then we're going to come back. And a lot of people, just to preface the conversation later, a lot of people have uh, been asking me about Hollywood Higgins. So with Kadero Hodge going down and JoJo Natson going down, so JoJo Natson went down and Donovan Peoples-Jones was the obvious move there, okay, because he – returns kicks and has returned kicks all camp secondary to Jojo Natson so that decision was just automatic Donovan Peoples-Jones played a hell of a game and blocked his ass off against Dallas I mean really really dominant good downfield blocking uh in that game um Higg could get an opportunity here. So now Kadero Hodge goes down. Higgins and people were like, wait a minute, they're bringing up uh, 
Taewon Taylor over Higgins, and, and it was a little bit, the way that the tweets read from the Browns were a little bit deceiving. Higgins is already on the active roster, okay? Uh, so this year it's 55-man active roster. You can dress 48. He just hasn't been dressing on the game day active roster, but he's been on the active roster. So when they said they were bringing up Taewon Taylor uh, to the active roster, Higgins is already there. So um, he's ahead of him, and I I believe that he will probably dress uh, on Sunday against the Colts. Um, and what we heard today out of Berea is that they plan to use a combination of Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones to split time at wide receiver three when needed, personnel-wise. So there's what you have to look forward to on that, okay? So the Higgins fans, I, you know, you've seen me. I'm a huge Higgins fan myself. The hashtag free Higgins sign, I put it up all the time. It used to be my header on my Twitter. I loved Higgins. I still do. My questions about him come a little bit around, you know, one coaching staff he fell into kind of a bad place with. Now a second coaching staff, I don't think he's in a bad place with them, but I worry about that when it becomes the, you know, the common denominator is him, not the coaching staff. Um, that, you know, and then I start to worry that maybe something's going on with him. Is it work ethic? Is it something else? You also kind of have to look at this as well is that he's on a one year deal and a guy like Donovan Peoples Jones with elite athletic traits is a guy that's going to be here probably longer than Higgins will be. So do you give him the reps if they're even close just because you want to develop him and bring him along? So he's fighting against those kind of natural tendencies that a coaching staff or a GM may say, hey, let's let's give the edge to this guy. He's going to be here on a rookie deal. We want to bring him along and develop him as a receiver, whereas Higgins is beyond that point in his career, right? He's already developed into a nice receiver. We've seen it. We've seen how good he can be. He is a tough, physical, good route runner, he just hasn't found his place in this offense because they don't use that third wide receiver very much. Kadero Hodge is very valuable in um, in the special teams game, and that's something that Higgins doesn't do, and that hurts him huge. Because so when Hodge, you know, started to play better as a receiver, and he can do special teams, they're kind of like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be the guy, and and then that you. Once again, that's the second staff in a row that has liked Hodge better than Higgins. So you see, like, once again, the common denominator is the players, not the coaching staff. So when you see it twice now, it makes you wonder uh, if what they're seeing is not just like, you know, he fall out, fl- fell out of favor or whatever, but there's, there's a, a real tangible reason why Hodge is playing over him, then he gets hurt. Now we're going to probably maybe get a chance to see Higgins a little bit. Um, and that, you know, out of Berea today, it was reported that they plan to split the wide receiver three time between Donovan Peoples Jones and Higgins. So that's good news for Higgins fans. Um, 
and People's Jones will, you know, have its returning responsibilities and, you know, probably half the time, uh, maybe more, depending on how the game goes, if, if Higgins gets hot, if, if DPJ is needed in there as maybe a better run blocker, you know, these sort of things will take form uh, on a game-by-game basis, on a week-to-week basis. But this is where we're at with the wide receiver three position, and I wanted to address that. Let's get to the interview. It's very, very good. Uh, he is excellent. Andrew Walker works for the Colts. So the Colts signed his paychecks. Remember that in the interview here, but he's excellent. Um, writer at Colts.com uh, was uh, there today for their press avail- availabilities, asking questions uh, as I watched, uh, uh, you know, um, uh I'm losing his name now. I'm losing my mind a little bit at the same time here. Uh, as he was, uh, I watched uh, Darius Leonard um, on his press availability talking about whether he was going to play Sunday or not. I think he'll try to play. He talked about being smart, and and, and uh, Andrew will talk about this too. But he he said he doesn't really he doesn't need to practice to be ready to play on Sunday is basically what he told the press. So if he is ready on Sunday, he'll probably play. Uh, Bobby Okariki, who had thumb surgery, their other linebacker, uh, I just came out and saw the injury report, full participant at practice today. So, um, and Andrew will talk about that. Probably just going to put a club on his hand and, and, you know, he's not an offensive player. He'll go out there and play with a thumb that he just had surgery on two days ago. Uh, so he's going to play. So their defense is going to be much more intact than at one point we potentially thought it might be. Uh, DeForest Buckner is a beast. And, uh, so these, and, and they've got good corners. Um, so this will be interesting and a real, real high profile matchup. Browns O versus Colts D. Uh, I heard some of my favorite guys today picking the Colts. I disagree, and I'm going to tell you why when I come back. Talk a little bit about Juice. We'll recap the interview, and we'll have you ready here. Part 2 of Colts Preview Week. This is a monster game. Let's get to the interview. This is Andrew Walker, uh, staff writer at Colts.com. Enjoy. And I am thrilled to uh, introduce to All Eyes on Cleveland today for uh, his uh, very first appearance with us and uh, uh, an exciting week as the Browns prepare to play uh, the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday at 425. Uh, Andrew Walker, staff writer at Colts.com. You can follow him on Twitter at AWalkerColts. How are we doing today, Andrew? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We are uh, thrilled to have you on, actually. A very exciting uh, matchup uh, ahead of uh, both teams here. Uh, A real test on both sides. Um, I want to start at quarterback, though, if that's okay. Um, It was a couple years ago, actually, that uh, the Colts and uh, uh, the Browns caught up for practice week in the preseason was right around when Andrew Luck retired. Right. Uh, I believe it was right after that. Uh, then the Jacoby Brissett experiment, um, and and then now Philip Rivers. Uh, so Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni have had to obviously 
um, alter and change what they do offensively here over the past few years. Um, how has that changed from Brissett to Phillip Rivers? Have you seen a stark change with what they do offensively? Yeah, well, the good news for signing Rivers for the Colts was he was so familiar with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni because actually Frank Reich was his quarterback's coach and then offensive coordinator with the Chargers for for three years. Um, And Sirianni was also um, an offensive coach and quarterback's coach and wide receiver's coach on that same staff. So there's a lot of familiarity there. The the playbook, uh, learning the playbook was pretty seamless. Um, getting kind of get back in the swing of things under Reich under this playbook was pretty seamless for Rivers, even without the benefit of of a true offseason program and, and preseason games and all that. So, you know, last year, you know, if, if I were through four games to kind of say what the big difference is, Jacoby Brissett, you know, he does things a little bit more methodically. Um, he's able to get away, break away from defenders up front, um, you know, a lot better than than the 38 year old Rivers, um, maybe make plays on his feet a little bit better. Um, but Rivers gets that ball out quick. He gets the ball out quick and gets it um, to his playmakers, which is very similar, I think, to how this offense ran in its first year um, with Andrew Lockett's, uh, you know, at quarterback. So um, there are some parallels there, um, and I think the Colts feel very fortunate that Rivers was available when he was. They were they are more than willing to roll into this season with Jacoby Brissett once again um, and give him another chance to to start but there was just a unique opportunity to bring rivers on board um so that's what they're able to do and and now four games in it's not like the guy's blown it away in terms of yards and touchdowns and all that but he's completing a, a ton of his passes and mm-hmm. he has a good yards per attempt figure and if and if you're frank reich and nick sirianni that's all you really need out of your quarterback yeah that's what, what my next question actually was going to be is kind of what are your impressions of philip rivers because you know to be brutally honest, he was coming off of probably what he would, I'm sure he would admit was a down year by his standards. And sure. he is approaching 40 years old, but he, but he's been good enough, right? For the Colts. Uh, is that what they expect of him or did you expect more? What are, what are your impressions of him so far? Yeah. I think, I think he's been, like I said, you know, I think the top two things at the list of what this offense wants out of its quarterbacks is accuracy. And yards per attempt. And that's exactly what Phil Burrs has done his entire career. And that's what he's doing this year. Now, last year, of course, the 20 interceptions, he, you know, as you allude to, he admitted that's not good enough. And, you know, a lot of those maybe were trying to do the heroic things when you're down. You know, that Chargers team was down a lot in the second yeah. half of games and and he was able to pull them through um and and a lot of those games but some of them he just wasn't and just couldn't do enough and and there were a few picks thrown there but um for the most part the decisions have been crisp um he's getting the ball where it needs to go um now the team maybe has doesn't have the rushing average it would like it ranks last actually heading into this game and and that's really the bread and butter of this offense is the run game so you you expect that over the the course of the the rest of the season to improve this Browns team's pretty good against the run, so we'll see there. But, um, but yeah, Rivers has been fine. You don't see any, like, there's no signs of, oh, man, you know, this guy's getting old, or, oh, man, he can't yeah. make this throw or that throw. Um, everything's been, you know, just fine and, and running the offense very well, um, which is exactly what they needed. Now, they've been, I mean, honestly, weapon-wise, you guys have been decimated. Marlon Mack, and, and then probably, I don't know where you, if you still put T.Y. Hilton as the best receiver on the team, but Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell, all out due to injury. Those are probably maybe your three best weapons, potentially, right, uh, coming into the season. But you did draft Jonathan Taylor, and I'm sure there was some sort of a succession plan there. 
Um, and I really like Naheem Hines in the past game. So do you really miss Marlon Mack that much, or have they been able to, you know, supplement and fill in uh, behind him uh, adequately? I think where you miss Marlon Mack right now, and it's not like Taylor's done a bad job at this. I mean, he's on pace for a 1,000 yards rushing so far. Um, But where you miss Mack is the continuity with this offensive line, which, you know, if you you knew – this Colts offensive line, Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Mark Glowinski, and Brain Smith from left to right has played more than 20 straight games together, um, dating back to week six of 2018. So that's rare, rare continuity up front. And not only that, they're all really good. Um, so, um, so with Mac, he had built this continuity, this, um, you know, relationship with these offensive linemen to where on these zone blocking schemes and, um, you know, combo blocks and all that, he had really kind of gotten down the system of of what to expect when to cut when to be patient and all that and that's what Jonathan Taylor's learning how to do right now I mean the guy's a rookie of course he had this unbelievable three-year career at at Wisconsin where he you know number six in uh, rusher in NCAA history and all that Um, but he's still learning a little bit and and it's learned on the fly he's talented you can see it he's got four three one speed and and all that and strength and he looks the part and um, I think we're all just waiting for that 150-yard game out of them. Like the Browns are, are getting pretty constantly out of their running game. Um, so, you know, it's coming. Um, but definitely I think Mac is – that's where you miss Mac is just that continuity with the offensive line and, and that patience and, and learning how to make things develop. Um, what would you can call the identity of the Colts offense? Like – you know, if Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni were to draw up a perfect game script for them, what would that look like? It would be a lot a lot of running. Um, yeah. and, and last year kind of, you know, run the damn ball. You know, Quentin Nelson kind of led the charge with that. And, you know, it's not necessarily running it just to run it. It's running it to set up the play action, running it to set up the over-the-top stuff. They want defenses to creep into the box and then jab, 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 and then throw the knockout punch every once in a while. So – they want to set things up with the run with Jonathan Taylor, with Naeem Hines, with Jordan Wilkins. Um, and, and ever since, you know, week two, when Taylor took over the starter, really it's been about Taylor, you know, 50 ish percent of the snaps and then Hines and, and Wilkins, um, you know, taking the rest. So the, yeah. it's not a true, it's not a true workhorse situation yet. So there are three guys in there. Um, so it, it would definitely be a run heavy type attack to set up some some chunk plays in the in the past game um and they've had flashes of that so far but again they want to get better in the run game overall so i went back uh andrew and and you're listening to all eyes on cleveland with special guest today andrew walker who's staff writer at uh the colts.com uh he does a fantastic job you can follow him on twitter at a walker uh colts i suggest you do so here before the as we approach the game you'll get some good info there and everything um for the game uh and if you're following the colts at all um so the um as an offense the colts uh i would you know i went back and watched all the games and and uh it's easy to do early in the season here as as we get a little farther sure. in, i think it'll yeah. be a little bit harder to do but um i was able to get them all in and the guy that really obviously jumps off the the tape in the film is Mo Ali Cox, right? Oh, yeah, and he yeah. is absolute beast. Um, I think he's getting like twenty yards uh, a catch uh, or something like that. Um, either way, 
that's, you know, obviously a weakness of the Browns, too, is the middle of the field, and they've gotten beaten up over the years, not even just this year, but over the years, tight ends have just had career days against them for whatever sure. reason. Uh, so I, I, I think that is he could probably the best weapon in the pass game? Yeah, he's he's developed into it, at least at tight end. And, and you mentioned T.Y. Hilton before. This offense still runs through T.Y. Hilton. It's just he's not getting the bulk of of the targets that maybe you might get used to in previous years. Yeah. Um. But you know the last couple of years he's kind of been injured, gotten injuries here and there, nicked up and missed some time. So um, I think like kind of with Taylor, it's just a matter of time for Hilton to kind of break out a little bit. Um. But he's still serving his purpose. Well, I think he's getting a lot of attention. But to your point, Mo Ali Cox at the tight end position, the Colts the last couple of years had Eric Ebron and he scored a crap ton of touchdowns in 2018 got hurt last year still scored a few touchdowns um but he was the vertical threat at tight end um you had the dependable jack doyle you know now a two-time pro bowler who's kind of more just the uh the target at the sticks type guy dependable guy in the run game and a dependable guy as a pass catcher to, to move the chains but you needed someone to kind of step up in that vertical tight end type threat and mo ali cox is definitely he's got the build he's got um, the potential to do that, the athleticism to do that. And he's shown that so far. They've schemed some stuff up for him, as you've seen on film, from just get the ball in open space and run. Yeah. And no one wants to approach 6'6", six, six, 260, no. whatever he is, no. uh, running straight at, you know, full steam at them. So, um, so that's been, um, that's been encouraging for the Colts offense to see him step up. The other guy at the position, Trey Burton, just got back last week. He's a guy that can that can hurt you a little bit out of the slot. He's a good route runner. So um, they've got three good weapons at tight end, and and now all healthy heading into this Browns game. Yeah, um, and and then what? Zach Pascal is he kind of the the wide receiver too right now? I kind of he's like a possession guy, right? Yeah, he's um, he's another he's he's gonna be he's kind of officially now with Paris Campbell out kind of officially the quote-unquote slot guy but he's going to line up everywhere and yeah he's the uh he's the ultimate do everything receiver he loves loves blocking um he loves um you know he runs very good routes very precise routes um often the guy you'll see across the middle making catches moving the chains but he also can get open over the over the top if you're not careful so um he's a guy that um a very solid option uh you know of course you want michael Pittman, the rookie in there but a very solid option for this colts offense um that stepped up last year when ty hilton was out now andrew you mentioned to me that you were kind of waiting around here before we even got on the air today for some injury news so uh, i'm gonna hit you up here uh uh, Anthony Costanzo, do you know where they, uh, you guys stand with him, uh, for Sunday? Yeah, that one's tough because, you know, he had the rib injury late. I'm, I'm guessing against the Bears, uh, missed the last four snaps is obviously just the last, you know, kneeling it out there at the end, um, and hasn't practiced the first couple of days, you know, as we film, as we record this. So, um, you know, he's a guy though, you know, 31 years old, 10th year in the league. Um, you know, is it ideal? No, but if he had to miss all week of practice and still could be tested for the game Sunday, he can be a candidate to do that. So we haven't heard any update on his status. If he isn't able to go, I would look for LaRaven Clark to possibly be the guy to fill in. And he's okay. a guy that's been up and down. He, he was, uh, I believe, a third round pick in 2016. Um, you know, kind of has the build and the look. Um, didn't start off all that great, but I think the last couple of years, um, has really improved a whole lot, especially under this new coaching staff. So he's a guy that obviously a tall task against this Browns front. 
Um, we'll see how he does, but but a guy that that they feel confident in stepping in if, if need be. Yeah, you kind of mentioned the Browns, uh, you know, being able to stop the run, and it's really kind of a chicken egg scenario there. If you look at the numbers, Andrew, it's I'm not so convinced that they've been able to stop the run. Is that they've just been ahead in some games, sure, and uh, also given up a lot of pass yards. So, you know, teams may just be electing to go that route uh, versus the run game because it's effective. Um, so I think we'll learn more about that uh, if a team stays disciplined to the run like I think the Colts will on uh, Sunday. As far as the offense goes with the Colts, last question on this side of the ball here. Any issues that stand out? Or is red zone an issue for at this point? Would you consider that an issue? Or yeah, Rhett, it's kind of the situational stuff, which is weird because Frank Reich in his first couple of years, um, his offense has always been pretty much top 10 in red zone and, and third down, especially. Um, and this year they, they've really struggled in both, um, you know, 30th and third down and 28th in red zone. Um, you know, I think part of that is, um, you know, opportunities. I don't think for the, through the first four games. You could say that, you know, the Colts have possessed the ball a lot um, mm-hmm. in terms of time of possession, but I, I think it just comes down to just as plainly as it sounds, just opportunity. So I think that will kind of even itself out as the year goes on. I, I don't really see, you know, it's actually been kind of like third and short, which is surprising considering how good, you know, these this offensive line is. Yeah. Um, that's been a problem so far. Um, the red zone stuff, I think that will, I think that'll definitely even itself out as you kind of get your weapons back or figure out who your weapons are. And Rodrigo Blankenship, the, the rookie kicker leads the NFL in field goals made and, um, in points scored. So that's been a, a big plus for them that, you know, it, of course you want six when you get down there, but they've pretty much gotten three every time too. So, um, yeah. so there is a little bit of a silver lining there. I think those numbers will improve. Um, but it's definitely going to be a tough task on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then, uh, obviously we'll move to the defensive side of the ball here. And you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, with the, uh, Colts preview, getting you ready for the big game. Uh, special guest today. We're talking with right now Andrew Walker, uh, staff writer at Colts.com. Uh, so the defense, uh, Colts defense is ranked first in just about every freaking category there is, right? So, um, now I wanted to ask you off the top in, you know, the Browns this year with Joe Woods have adopted this uh, Seattle cover three press bail. Is Matt Eberflus running some of that now? Uh, yeah. Transitioning from the Tampa 2 type look? Yeah, it's it's a little bit more, um, a little bit more of that, a little bit more single high safety stuff. And um, I think some of that's just kind of just kind of shaping what what they saw from week one when Gardner Minshew completed 19 of 20 passes and yeah um even when he did go down I mean he was dinking and dunking I mean literally the the definition of dinking and dunking the whole game <laughs> yeah, the few he times he the few times he did go down the field there's a pass interference there's miscommunication so I think the kind of the adjustment Matt Eberflus doesn't change a whole lot from week to week, but I think the big adjustment was just getting those those second the members of the secondary a little bit closer up on on those receivers, pressing a little bit more, being a little bit more um, you know physical there. So there is definitely some of that cover three stuff. I think just in general though, you're still gonna 
see a lot more cover too, but, but definitely, um, you know, Julian Blackman's been a revelation at, at that free safety spot, the third round pick, he, you know, just 10 months removed out of ACL surgery, um, already playing a hundred percent of the snaps and really playing well. Um, so you feel a lot more comfortable, I think with him back there. Um, and, and so things are evolving definitely in the secondary. Um, I think you're really, really happy with Xavier Rhodes kind of coming back and having the year he's had so far. TJ Carey, who's been limited. We'll see if he can play, but another veteran that's played well. So you're, you're getting really good production out out of your secondary. Um, so definitely, um, some promising signs there. Yeah, definitely. That secondary is, uh, uh, exciting to watch and a lot of really good athletes. I mean, the, the, just the thing you notice when you watch the Colts defense and it's just incredible team speed and they, they just seem to be playing very freely. And, and that's always kind of been the case with Eberflus is, uh, I've been a fan from afar of what he does uh, on the defense side of the ball here for a couple of years. But, um, yeah, so you guys add DeForest Buckner. Uh, and then, you know, and the linebacker spot, you have Darius Leonard, obviously uh, an absolute stud, Justin Houston with three and a half sacks. He jumps off sure. the film. And then, uh, Bobby Okariki, who had an incredible game against the Bears. Now, the, the two linebackers are dinged a little, right? Leonard and Okariki are, what's their status? <laughs> Do you know? Well, today we learned it's the third starting linebacker was out of practice with an ankle injury, which is oh, Anthony boy. Walker, their, their Mike. So, you know, for a team that likes to run the ball like the Browns, that's that's probably music to their ears. Um, what we know about Leonard is it's the groin. He he got hurt just out, you know, right at the end of the first half against the Bears last week, didn't play the second half. And just kind of the way he talked today um, to the media, uh, of course he wants to play. I mean, this guy's the ultimate competitor. He wants to play. But he also said, I got to be smart. So it, it seems like one of those game day decision type things. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Okariki, okay. um, Okariki, it's a thumb. He had surgery this week. But as we've seen in the NFL, a lot of times it seems to be the case this time. If you can put a club on that thing, it seems <laughs> yeah. like you can play that week if, if you can. So um, he's a guy that's kind of like Darius Leonard light right now. He's built similar speed. Um you know, a lot, great pursuit to the ball, um, makes things happen. So he's a guy they're really happy with that's been starting at Sam, but really playing a lot more Mike of late, um, kind of splitting with Anthony Walker. And then Walker's just kind of the, the, the glue, the, the defense, you know, the, that guy in the middle, the play caller, the leader. So it's interesting. I, you know, I don't know when he got hurt. I don't know when the ankle thing popped up. So that'll be interesting to monitor because beyond that, I mean, you've got Zaire Franklin. Uh, he's a he's a you know a, a fourth, third or fourth year veteran, and then Jordan Glasgow, who's a rookie, who's really a special teams guy, not not really known for his linebacker skills. Um, you got a couple guys on the practice squad, but but it's definitely going to be kind of tough sledding there at linebacker if they can't get a couple guys healthy heading into Sunday. Yeah, so so this is the big matchup, right? Browns offense, Colts defense. Uh, you know, kind of. At this point, two powerhouse, uh, you know, forces here meeting and, and we'll find out what's what on Sunday. What do you think the Colts approach would be? I mean, I, when I look at this, I'm like, Hey, I, if I'm them, I'm going to try to make Baker throw it 30 plus times. And I think that would be a victory. What do you think their approach will be? Is it going to be straight up? Just stop the run. We're going to load it up and make you throw it. Yeah. So. I think one thing you'll see that stands out compared to the Cowboys game last week is just the the effort and the <laughs> and I'm not I'm not no. trying not to go there but I'm just saying it's, and you probably saw it too to. you yeah. probably saw it too but just 
the way that the Colts rally to the ball, they hustle, and that's all you know from the top down. That's from Eberflus down. That's just the way that they do things. So that's going to be, you know, I think that in itself will fix some of the, you know, that will catch some of the Browns fans' eyes just from this defense compared to last week. Um, but definitely each week, no matter what, and and some of it's coach speak, some of it's what a team always says. But this team wants to stop the run first and then get to the pass. It's stop the run on the way to the pass. So um, they've got the horses to do it up front. I mean, I could talk about DeForest Buckner, uh, you know, the rest of this day and tomorrow and, and for the rest of the weekend if you wanted to because this guy's been incredible. Um, you know, you, you trade your first-round pick, 13th overall pick for this guy to the, the 49ers because you think, you know, he's 26. You think he, you know, he's second-team All-Pro last year. You really think he's going to blossom into a really, really dominant Top of the league type guy at that three tech position. That's exactly what he's been. I mean, yeah. I mean, you talk about Aaron Donald and you talk about Chris Jones, and it's really DeForest Buckner after that in terms of the interior defensive linemen that are getting things done. So um, he's been he's been great. But Grover Stewart, a guy, he's not going to make a lot of plays. At number ninety, the big guy, the nose tackle up front. Yep. yep. But he's he's really good against the run. So they really depend on those two guys, especially to to make things happen against the run. Um, and then, like I said, on the way to the pass, open things up, Justin Houston off the edge, Danico Autry, a guy that can play in and out, um, make some noise from time to time. So um, it really starts up front for this defense. And it, like you said, it's a strength on strength matchup because the Browns love to run the ball. They like to establish, you know, the, the run um, and the Colts like to stop the run. So, um, you know, that that's, that's the main thing I'm looking forward to is kind of that battle in the trenches on Sunday. Yeah, and and if they the Browns are forced to throw the ball, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, really throw the ball because they they want to throw it when they want to throw it, right? Like they want to, you know, ideal times they want to do it off a of play action and they want to roll Baker out and you know get him on on the move and and, and scheme it up that way for him. But um, he, I mean, he hasn't thrown it. You know, he's been throwing it twenty five times a game probably, uh, and. Uh, so I think if they make him into a drop back passer and take away the run, I think that's a huge victory because he hasn't really showed even since his rookie season that he can do that all that well, uh, in my opinion. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I would like to see him do better doing it, but if you had to say there was a weakness and it's, it, there's really nothing that jumps off and says there's a weakness on this defense, what would you say it would be? Is there one area that you can exploit as an offense, you think? Well, it's it's tough to maybe call this a weakness, but it is a trend that happens sometimes just against this scheme because it's just the way it is. And, it, you know, if Baker wants to take the underneath throws or the kind of the middle of the field type throws that, you know, six, seven yards at a time um, have long drives, those throws are probably going to be there. Um, and you know, opposing quarterbacks in general, now the last few weeks, this hasn't been the case. Um, but in general are going to throw for a high percentage against this defense, but they rally to the ball and tackle well, and the corners tackle well. Um, and then the goal is once you get to the opposing, once you get inside the 30, you shut it down. Um, so, so if, if, you know, if kind of like a Gardner Minshew type dink and dunk, you know, just kind of take what you get type approach and then you're able to take advantage of some mistakes um get a couple over the top get a couple penalties some miscommunications that's where this defense breaks down and has 
once or twice this season. Um, but for the most part, they've been playing very well as a unit. Um, I am interested to see the linebacker position, though. We talked about it. I don't, I don't know, you know, who's going to be available and who's not at this point. Um, Darius Leonard is the heart and soul of this defense and just the game changer he is, um, two time all pro and all that. So, We'll see if he can go, and if he can't, it'll be interesting to see how they rotate guys at that position because that's such a key position, especially that Will linebacker. We'll see if Bobby Okariki maybe with the or Anthony Walker if he can go, but with with the club on his hand can do it. But um, but yeah, I'd say you know you can complete passes on this defense and a lot of them, um, and if you can kind of find a, a hole here and there to get it over the top, which is rare, then that's when you start to you know a couple problems start to rise for this defense. Yeah, it's it's really strange, Andrew. Um, and I was talking to somebody else about this. These teams are very, very similar uh, in what they want to do. Um, so certainly, uh, I think that the Colts are uh, obviously have a much better defense than the Browns do at this point. But the Browns are running that. You know, they're running a lot of zone and a lot of that Seattle cover three. It's just they've had so many injuries in the secondary. They're running people in and out and the communication's poor and they're not doing so well at passing along, you know, responsibilities and things like that in the secondary. And that's where a lot of times there's been the problem, but they have been able to kind of take away the big play. And like you were kind of mentioning there with the Colts defense and make teams work the ball down the field and against bad quarterbacks like, you know, they faced in Washington uh, with Haskins, you know, that's what you want to do is to make a guy, you know, take 12 plays to go down the field and probably make a mistake along the way, right? Um, and yeah. uh, they've been rather opportunistic with turnovers and the offense is taking advantage of those with touchdowns. Um, so they, they very much want to do the same things these, these teams do. It should be a really interesting matchup. Uh, do you have, uh, do you do predictions, Andrew? Will you give me a prediction? Well, you know, my paycheck comes from, you know, has a horseshoe on it. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I always kind of give that caveat when, when I'm asked for predictions. So of course, Certainly. of course, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping for a Colts win. The spread is super, you know, it's really interesting to me. Just, you know, three and one teams, three wins in a row for both teams, home game for Cleveland, the Colts in that one or two point kind of favorite position. Um, really to me, you know, strength on strength, both teams, like you said, like to do things, you know, if it came down to a, a last second field goal or a last drive by either team, I wouldn't be surprised. So, um, so really, you know, uh, unless this gets away, um, from either team, which I, I really don't see that happening, um, you know, I'm going to say a Rodrigo Blankenship, you know, 40 yard field goal winning this thing, um, for the Colts. That, that's what I think would be the, in my mind, would be the best outcome, for, you know, at least on this side. He's been impressive, huh? Uh, oh, Blankenship. Yeah. yeah, he's been really good. Yeah. And, so, and last year, and, and, you know, last year, Adam Vinatieri, the greatest of all time and, and what a joy he was to be around. Um, and, and, you know, I always be privileged to say, you know, I got, got a chance to, spend part of my career with him um but he just had his struggles and and he was injured um and the Colts really really kind of you know there's a few games that got away from him and the kicking game was a big part of it so um so it's been it's been good to see them have belief in an undrafted rookie who had obviously a great college career at Georgia and we all know him for the specs and and all that and just kind of being the nerdy guy um that he was in college but he's really come on strong and uh, missed a couple kicks but that's okay 
Um, yeah. he's, he's hit the ones that he's need to hit, um, had, had a good, has a good percentage and, and he's gotten a lot of opportunities and he's, he's capitalized on them. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, line on this game and the line has been so strange, Andrew, and I'll let you go here in a second, but it opened at, uh, two and a half after the games on Sunday, it was a pick em. Monday. It was one back to two and a half on Tuesday and then one and a half on Wednesday. So it's kind of all over the place there. Uh, for the Colts by, you know, like you said, to a point to two, but interesting how it has, uh, kind of changed daily there, um, as we get closer to the game. So, yeah, and I, I've got to imagine after, you know, Frank Reich announces who's out tomorrow or on Friday that we'll that line more might movement. move again. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I mean, absolutely. you know, if, if you're, if you're looking at the possibility of your left tackle and your three starting linebackers now, probably one or two won't play and one will. I don't know, but, um, you know, that, that definitely makes, makes a difference. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the Browns on, on the Browns injury front, you're, I think I would be surprised if Ogan Joby plays and I, and I would, I don't think Greedy Williams will play again either. So, um, that, that's what, you know, their injury list is excessively long. I don't know why they do that, but, uh, those are the two guys that I probably – I would be surprised if either one of those guys plays on Sunday. So it will be interesting, certainly. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Andrew. You've been fantastic. Um, you can follow Andrew on Twitter, and I suggest you do, at Andrew Walker – or A. Walker, pardon me, Colts, at A. Walker Colts. Uh, Andrew is a staff writer at Colts.com. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. And, uh, we'll, uh, hopefully we can stay in touch here and, uh, we'll, uh, hit you up uh, later on in the season, maybe, uh, around playoff time. AFC championship game for sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get it done. There you go. That's, that's what we're hoping for. All right. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Thanks. There it was. That was the interview with the one and only Andrew Walker. Fantastic job by him. Writer at uh, Colts.com. Very busy guy. Made time for us. Uh, Our second Colts guest of the week as we are uh, in the All Eyes on Cleveland uh, Colts Preview Part 2 edition here tonight. Um, He mentioned about game one for them and he talked to about it again to the point about it again when I asked him about a weakness on the defense and there's no real weakness as he said he wouldn't call it necessarily a weakness but uh go ahead and kill that Mikey But uh, he mentioned about Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville game. And that because they play so much zone 
and they play with so much speed, they rally up and, and make tackles a lot, but there will be completions there in the underneath in the short passing game. So what it really will take, if they truly, and we'll get to this topic more here in a moment, but if they truly can slow down the Browns' run game and they are forced to rely on the passing game or even just in the passing game, even if the run is working, Baker Mayfield must be disciplined enough to take what's there. And when the man is open, get him the ball in a timely fashion and uh, take what the defense is giving you and work the ball down the field. They're going to do the same thing that our defense does and try to make you work it down the field 10, 12 plays, uh, and clamp down inside the 30-yard line. Now, their defense is much better, very fast, and it does sound like Okariki's going to play, and their linebacker, uh, you know, Darius Leonard may play as well. DeForest Buckner's going to play. They've got good corners. They're they're legit on defense, for real. And um, so they may be able to slow down the run to some extent, but... Uh, it'll be important there very much so for Baker to do what Minshew did and take the take the checkdowns, take the underneath stuff, take what they're giving you, and move the chains. Um, and uh, you can beat them down the field that way, but you have to be patient, and your quarterback has to be disciplined and can't go make a mistake uh, trying to push down the ball down the field when it's not there. Um, and that will be truly key, uh, I think, for Brown's success uh, against this defense. Now, you know, I mentioned before a lot of people on the Colts and uh, a lot of people talking about uh, this defense stopping the Browns' run. And I heard, uh, you know, today, um, not the most popular man in Cleveland, but I am a fan of um, Chris Sims. and But Sims and Florio today both picking the Colts, saying that they thought that the Colts' um, defense would shut down the Browns' run game, that the Browns would not be able to run against a, this Colts' defense. I'm not convinced of that. I, I mean, they may slow them at points in the game, but a persistent attack and the way this offensive line is playing, um, I fully expect them to bring the push and the attack to Indianapolis like they haven't seen yet this year. And I think they can still move the ball on the ground uh, against this very good defense just because of how good the offensive line has been playing. Um, So that, I believe, uh, will be something that they are not quite expecting and may have to adjust to um, is, uh, you know, trying to stop that run. Um, If the Browns can... Uh, stick with it even if it's not there early I think they can uh, still move the ball against this very talented defense on the ground and in the pass game they probably won't give up any big plays um, but you'll take your shots here and there at the right time but in the pass game take what's there if Baker does that and 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 I think the run game can still be successful um, I think that the Browns have a very good chance of winning this game. Unlike, you know, some people that are saying that this is kind of a mismatch, 
Uh, I don't think so at all. I think the Browns are legit, real deal, uh, offensive line, uh, push, movement, physicality. Uh, they will bring the fight to whoever, um, as Stefanski has said multiple times this week, they will strain and to make every play be what it can be. Um, and uh, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a great game. Either way, it's going to be a great game. It's two very good teams, both trying to validate themselves. But they're my keys kind of to the Browns' offense beating that defense. And I think that they, it is they are being uh, underestimated for their ability to get push with this offensive line. I think this offensive line will be able to get push and will be able to still move the ball on the ground and force them to maybe – uh, bring more attention up, and that's exactly what we want in the pass game. Uh, another man in the box, uh, bringing up, you know, focus on the backfield, um, just trying to stop the run and then take advantage of uh, what that opens up in the pass game, which is always the game plan for this Stefanski-led team, but even more so when you're going against a team that flat out is going to probably be pounding their chest saying, you can't run on us, and I, I frankly think that the Browns can't. Um, Austin Hooper was on Jim Rome's show this week. Boy, he's fantastic. Austin Hooper, hilarious. Jim Rome has been supporting the Browns since last year, calling them America's team. It's hilarious every week if you listen. Uh, but Hoop was on there talking about, uh, the Browns' recent success. He, you know, and he has that, he sounds like a surfer dude, you know, and, uh, he was cracking up Rome. It was a great interview. If you want to go check that out, that was awesome that he made that appearance on the Jim Rome show. Legend, Jim Rome. Um, and then, uh, also wanted to mention, uh, before we go here that, you know, the uh, Browns, building the Browns, um, winning early, uh, latest edition of the YouTube show and the award-winning building the Browns, um, focused on Jarvis Landry. And I have been long been uh, a guy that will point my finger at Jarvis and say that is the heart and soul of this team. That guy is what Cleveland Browns should be all about. Um, and they showed him last year when they were struggling in Odell's ear, in Baker's ear, in the defense's face, talking to everybody. Even in games they were getting beat by teams they shouldn't have been getting beat by, he was still positive, still talking to people. It's just the way that he... Uh, approaches it and the leadership role that he has taken is truly special uh, you know he's talking to OBJ and the you know embarrassing uh, Ravens loss telling him you know you got to take over you now is your time to take over and and uh, he just does so much I think uh, for Odell mentally um, with the buy-in to what the Browns are doing uh, to win games. Um, obviously, it'll work much better now, or he shouldn't have any complaints now after his big three-touchdown game. And uh, he got the ball, and the Browns used him in the run game with the two reverses um, and the, the trick pass with Landry. And then, you know, they left him one-on-one. -on -one. Very silly move by them. Uh, and he smoked the corner for, uh, 
you know, Worley, I believe it was, for a touchdown from Baker uh, for his three touchdowns last week against Dallas. Um, so, but Juice is just that guy. And even in that Baltimore game, he was just talking to everybody on the sideline, up and down the sideline. Good job with that. Good job with this. He's so positive, and it does rub off. It is contagious, just like he said on Hard Knocks, and uh, it makes a big, big difference uh, to for him to continue to push guys when they're losing or when they're in a situation that's bad, like he did all last year and even in week one this year. Uh, now, as things turn, I'm sure it's much easier for him to be a leader um, when you're winning like that. Uh, but he is like the true heart and soul of the Browns, and I would love to see Landry retire a Brown. Uh, he just means so much to this team um, and, uh, you know, brings out some edge and some attitude, but the leadership at the same time, um, and he wants to, he wants to be a, a good blocker and he wants to run perfect routes and he's dependable on third downs and and he doesn't just talk it he walks it and he's just there for everybody communication lines open talking to everybody making sure everybody's in the game and he should be commended for that because it's something the Browns have been missing and it's a void that he has filled just admirably Uh, his attitude is fantastic I mean if you want your kid to watch a player be a leader in the face of losing, watch him be mic'd up last year in some of those games they were losing. They shouldn't have been losing, and guys were down, and, and uh, you know, heads dropped, and, and this and that, and he just wouldn't have any of it. Always talking to every player. Get them next time. We need you this time, you know, and, and, and it's priceless, and that is, is something that Stefanski, I'm sure, uh, values, but should be pointed out when you know we talk about the future of this team and we get into the nuts and bolts of the uh, analytics and uh, salary cap uh, fund allocation to by like by like position and we talk about how you know maybe that they may see that as too much money for two receivers. I very much uh, like Odell Beckham Jr. but want Jarvis Landry to be a part of this team. For a long time because he's the epitome of what they are and what they want to be uh, and he's a, he's a different kind of leader uh, selfless leader um, for for the Browns so that was definitely something worth bringing up uh, I've got the Browns in this game I've got the Browns winning this game I think that if they can hold the Colts to field goals I think they have a very good chance of winning. And I think, as I said uh, earlier in the week, if this, if the Browns can get in the 30s in points, or at least very close, I think they have a really good chance to win this game. Um, final note here, uh, he talked about Phillip Rivers uh, and you know the, some of the improvements he's had this year familiar with the scheme with Frank Reich I didn't realize that that he was under the same uh you know offensive play calling and scheme and language uh in um when the Chargers were in San Diego and Reich and Sirianni were there with him so this is not a new offense for him which enabled him to pick it up quicker 
and everything with the pandemic. Now, still, Philip Rivers will throw you the ball. He will turn it over, and the Browns have to find a way to get pressure. Great job with pressure against Dallas in the second half when they went into that prevent look, you know, keep everything in front of you because we're up 41 to 14. The Browns stopped being able to get home with their front four. Now they were gassed and tired and substitutions were coming in. But um, they have to be able to generate a rush uh, up the middle and from the outside uh, on Rivers and force him to make uh, decisions um, and, uh, and take away the ball when it's there. Like, he will throw you the ball a few times a game. And a lot of times they get dropped or they get tipped or this or that. The Browns have been opportunistic taking the ball away. This is a game where you have to do that. There it will at least guaranteed be one to two interceptions out there. Can you haul them in? Can you take advantage of them? Um, if so, uh, the defense um, will, you know, once again give the Browns a chance uh, by doing so, and you've got to take advantage of this. The margin for error is very small in this game just because they're a very well-coached, disciplined team. Um, so, they, you know, the mess-ups or mistakes by Baker maybe uh, missing receivers, a lot of people have been talking about, or getting off his reads properly and things like that, didn't show up glaringly initially when you watched the game, but going back and watching the tape of the Dallas game, there once again were guys open and he's holding the ball and not so sure uh, of when to let it go. Don't get me wrong. He played much, much better um, in the Dallas game than he did, say, Baltimore. Um, so I'm not saying he's you know uh, playing that way by any means. He's doing a good job, um, but he just, he just can't um, – he can't uh, get caught up in uh, the same stuff that killed him uh, in week one. Um, he's got to be able to identify who's open and hit them. And if you do, you can move the ball in the pass game on them. Take what they're giving you. They want you to check down. They want you to throw it underneath and take a couple yards because they believe that they can rally up and stop you. Um I think, A, the Browns' run game will be more successful than pundits think it will against this Colts defense, even if all their guys are healthy. I still believe that uh, in this uh, offensive line. is just very, very good for the Browns right now and just dominant. Um, and I think that they can hang and get push and break some holes open for uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, and, of course, Dearness Johnson, who will be filling in in that secondary role, who looked fantastic last week as well. So there's my kind of my thoughts on the game. I've got the Browns winning. Um, I do. Uh, Hooper was on Rome. Check it out if you want. It was hilarious. Um, you know, we talked about Jarvis as a leader and, you know, his appearance on building the Browns and kind of the glowing uh, view that his teammates uh, have for him. 
Uh, we talked earlier in the show before the interview about wide receiver three and that I uh, am hearing and we are hearing out of Berea that uh, Higgins should probably dress because Hodge is out. Um, he's already up with the team. He's been with the, on the active roster. A lot of people freaked out when they saw uh, Taiwan Taylor being moved to the active roster thinking that Higgins was – was uh, getting slighted. No, Higgins has been on the 55-man active roster, but not the game day active roster of 48. Um, so he hasn't been dressing, but he should now. And they they do need Donovan Peoples-Jones in there to return kicks, plus you want to develop them, which is why I think we'll see uh, split usage between those two guys at wide receiver three. Um, and uh, so Higgins should get on the field and get some opportunities, uh, at least for the first time probably this weekend in uh, what will prove once again to be the biggest game of the year, and then next week will be the biggest game of the year again against the Steelers. And uh, it's interesting how the schedule has worked that way, but step laddering their way up to validation uh, with each win, uh, you know, the attitude, though, is truly uh, as – he did say once uh, about a negative issue with the Browns, but Jarvis Landry is 100% right that it is contagious, and that kind of attitude and positivity is contagious. Um, I love what the Browns are doing. Um, I, I love their identity this year uh, that was missing in the past, and I think they get a huge win against the Colts to go to 4-1. and one. Um, I really do. Uh, a lot of people disagree, but uh, you know I just think that they'll be able to move the ball, and if Baker can take what's there, um, they'll they'll be able to put together drives. So, uh, and that will be uh, enough, I think, um, if they can score you know close to thirty points or or more, um, they should win the game. Um, in uh, in my opinion, so this has been all eyes on Cleveland, the second part two of Colts preview week. It's a monster matchup. The Browns offense against the Colts vaunted number one defense. Hard truths will be found out. We will really find out what we're made of as a football team. Um, And uh, it's a true test for both sides, the Colts and the Browns. And the winner will really legitimately be uh, a playoff contender at four and one, and having beat one of the more competitive, if not best teams in the AFC, to get to that point. Uh, so big, big time uh, stuff here for the Browns, and I feel confident uh, that they can uh, pull this off. So thank you so much. All eyes on Cleveland. Mikey's been on the ones and twos. I would suggest. Go listen to the Rome, uh, the Rome interview with Hoop. Hoop is absolutely hilarious. Like I said before, he sounds like a surfer dude, uh, and he cracks you up every single time. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, and Rome, you know, toting the Browns, banging the table for the Browns as America's team is hilarious as well. Jim Rome is a legend uh, for sure. Great job, Andrew Walker tonight uh, from Colts.com. Uh, weighing in on everything that we will see this weekend. Uh, We hope that we have delivered for you. If you love the content, 
go to the website, leave a review. If you're unhappy, leave the review too. We just want to get better here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Doing our very best for you. And in loving every minute of it this year, baby. Three and one, looking for four and one. I got a good feeling about it. No matter who they put out on that field, I got a good, good feeling about it. Uh, I will be picking the Browns this week uh, for sure, uh, just so you know. Uh, This has been All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Andrew Walker of Colts.com. This is the Colts preview part duh, part two. Hope you enjoyed. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. We are out.